with William McCarthy live from New York City it's me on the airwaves coming at you live we're just coming out of uh, winter into spring winter has given us a run for our money <laughs> as per usual hanging on okay so a lot of news here uh, as you well know with the Toronto Airport gate I got stuck uh, at Toronto Airport a few days back for two and a half days amazing it was like snowing sideways in Toronto and then there was like a terrible fog over New York so I just kept getting stuck there and everything was cancelled amazing experience um, I boarded I boarded a plane twice and everyone was clapping and cheering and then they made us get off the plane twice so I was stuck at a hotel um, I had to wake up at 4 a.m. twice two different days to catch the early flight, which uh, eventually was grounded. So that was pretty hectic. Um, I had a fantastic tour, a uh, West Coast tour. Started in Tijuana, Mexico, and then we popped over to Arizona and made all our way all the way up to Vancouver, Canada. So these pop-up shows, I was playing like different venues, and I played for professors, I played for kids, I played for couples, old Pela fans, and it was really a wonderful experience. Um, had a day off. I went to, there was a, there's a fellow onwarder who's new to our, to our world uh, named Kenny, and he invited us down to his vineyard on our day off, and we had a burger, and he showed us the guy actually makes wine, and seeing this place like built up from this this one man's vision and started his own vineyard and like seeing what a vineyard's actually all about was amazing experience. I was traveling with Dave Fernandez. Dave is a fellow that reached out to me and urged me to consider approaching America in a different way. And I did that with him and I just went on this journey, I don't know, 1500 miles or something. And what an excellent human being. Um, really nice time, just adulting, hanging out, talking life talk um, learning a lot and we we rocked it in a in a Kia sedan which was amazing uh, another short story you know I don't know if you guys ever saw me play that like steel guitar it's called a resonator guitar it's an old Gretsch I played that all through Augustine's and it finally broke and I had to leave it at uh, my friend Ulrich's house in Germany and I was without a guitar and thinking, God, what do I do in case a string breaks? <laughs> and I remembered I had a guitar at my friend's house in an attic in California. And I stopped by his house at 8 in the morning to get it. And I'm so thrilled to bring this guitar back into my life because it is the guitar I learned how to play on. I've been playing this guitar since I was 12 years old. And it's an old Yamaha, 70, 1970, 1971 Yamaha. And I busked with this guitar this was my guitar all through my teen years through my 20s before Pela and uh, it's, it's back in my life it's sitting right here I got a new uh, hard case for it so I'm excited and overall just 
loving these shows, like getting to meet people afterwards. Um, a, a lot of people jumped up and played with me on stage. So I had people playing piano, uh, violin, uh, guitar. Alex from Augustine's, our guitar tech, our trusty and faithful guitar tech who now lives in California, came out for a couple of the uh, the Los Angeles shows. Absolutely amazing playing with him. So proud of him. Okay, what else is going on? So yeah, a special thanks to everybody who came out for that. And um, a lot of people joined the Patreon and Onward community from those shows. So welcome to them for coming. Uh, and other news, so I'm back, yeah, and I'm, I'm resting up um, back-to-back tours. So this is that weird little bubble where you're, you've got downtime, but you're also really busy. I started, I, I had been told... This is an interesting thing. If some of you might be watching something on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Now, what's interesting about this is the fellow that this this documentary takes place around is a guru by the name of Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, also known as Osho. Now, what's crazy, so those for those of you who don't know, he came from India to Oregon. And uh, he basically, they built their own city out in the countryside of Oregon. And they had a massive prayer center that was like 10,000. It could fit 10,000 people. They fed people and they were, they were looking to build this utopian society where um, it was a mixture of capitalism and spiritualism. They felt like in the past, spiritual movements have like like Mahatma Gandhi had undermined themselves by being committed to poverty, whereas that real consciousness needed to, need, needed to take place in a modern context. And they basically were pretty wealthy, and they had the funds to build these A-frame homes. So thousands of homes were built, and people could live in these homes and just exist in this society. And... Why I think this is interesting is because I actually grew up with these people. Um, I actually really, I don't know, there's like something, I'm finally seeing a documentary of something that I saw as a kid, uh, rather than see something like overseas about like maybe the IRA or something um, that I wasn't, I never crossed paths with, I never saw, but I definitely saw this. My friend Shay, his mother, um, her name was Garisha. Garisha was a name given to her by Bhagwan, uh, by Rajneesh. And these people were all called sannyasins, the followers of this guy. And they all wore red or orange. And they had what was called a medalla. And around their neck, they had a picture of this man's face, um, Rajneesh. And it was like him smiling. And I'm not kidding you. As a child in Santa Cruz, California, and then later on in, at the base of the Sierra Nevadas, I had a lot of friends whose parents mixed with these kind of cult members. And there was another friend of mine named Colin McGinnis. His mother was a follower of, of Rajneesh as well. And they literally wore red every day or orange, every article of clothing. So like red, you know, red hat, red bracelet, red shoes, red everything. Um, or orange, and they had these um, these pictures of this guy, and I remember going to his house 
and her listening to cassette tapes of him. And it's just, it's funny because I try to tell people that I grew up, you know, in Northern California, which borders Oregon, and that it was really, we are really the, the, a lot of people fled whatever enclaves they were living in, in the Midwest or the Northeast in America in the, in the 1960s and 70s, and they came out West. And, you know, similar to how people would move to Brooklyn now or to Austin now or to Portland or to Seattle or Brighton, England or Berlin. But these people fled, you know, these kind of stiff, stiff upbringings and they moved to the West Coast and, and there was a consciousness boom, as we all know, um, during and post Vietnam War. And these people, the 70s turned into the 80s and a lot of these people found themselves in their mid-30s, kind of around the ages that we're all at now, um, or the Augustine's guys, and they had kids, and those kids were, were, were us, the now Gen Xers. And so I was actually in this small, interesting bubble um, where punk rock had hit America um, and, and it really taken off on the West Coast, so we had like a brand of West Coast punk rock. There was also like a, a thick cloud of like pot smoke, marijuana smoke that had just like never really dissipated. Um, in my family, I think the hippie party kind of turned into the, this is common, the, the marijuana and the mushrooms and the mind expanding consciousness drugs turned into the late 70s into like cocaine, which turned into like crack and heroin and it was like always this thread of consciousness. So I think at one point in time, these people kind of came with their minds really open as young people, probably in their early 20s. And then they got tangled up in all these strange... There was Jim Jones in Jonestown that came out of the Bay Area in California. There was also um, the Dead Kennedys, punk rock. Skateboarding really took off and really was born in Southern California. So there was like us young kids we were sort of angry because it was the Reagan years and we felt like our parents were too doped up and um, deluded from the 60s and the 70s. Their shag carpets and their, you know, funky bell bottoms and their Birkenstocks. We felt like we were agitated by all this, you know, USSR Cold War stuff. So we were like skateboarders of punks, but our parents were these fruit loopy, strange people and some of them were in cults. And I definitely grew up in that. And it's really interesting. I watched two episodes last night. Uh, if you want to ever know anything about uh, one William Joseph McCarthy, check this out because these people were basically our parents. Um, and if it wasn't them, it was like horticulture or, uh, or, you know, it's not cool having one of your parents like do yoga while your, your friends are pl at your house playing Nintendo, playing Super Mario Brothers something and... You know, your stepdad's doing yoga with one of his balls hanging out of his freaking shorts. Before yoga was cool, yoga was like embarrassing to me as a kid. Um, as was, I, all I wanted was like a grilled cheese sandwich or like some normal like microwave pizza or something. But microwaves were bad. Uh, logos on your shirts were looked down upon in the community that I lived in, this hippie community. Um, I'm not saying that I was involved in the 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 Bhagwan movement, but like my friends, you know, we lived in a very eclectic, esoteric, hippie place, 
And we had probably, what, 80 kids in our entire school, um, in grade school. And this is that, that's the community I'm talking about. Like, um, so it was very kind of earthy. And all these things that yuppies have sort of like gravitated towards now, the organic movement, farm to table. This stuff was going on back then too, but it had a way different context. And it shows in this documentary that these two worlds intersecting these Oregon cowboys and like ranchers and farmhand people intersecting with this like Eastern consciousness now brought to the West and funded um, really effectively to the point where these, these sannyasins as they're called, these followers actually have their own airport, their own currency, their own everything. So I don't know. I think it's really, it's the best thing I've seen on Netflix in a while and people are like raving about it. So I think, uh, that's worth mentioning. Definitely bringing back some memories, man. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically where I'm at. I, I wanted to also talk about um, sort of a sixth sense, uh, a creative sense that uh, a songwriter has. And I don't want to scare away the good, the, 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 the the good fairy that has come visit me, the songwriting fairy, but... I think I might have figured out my next album and I'm really looking forward to sitting down and getting going on it because in the second record, um, I went to California back to where I'm from and that's where walkabout came from. And I started living in a, in a, like a, a small little cottage in the back of a friend's house in their backyard. And I started writing and I had my motorcycle and I'd just ride around and I'd write. And then I went to Kenya and I went to Ireland. And for me, I don't know if there's method, you know, there's how people do it in, in, in theater. There's method actors and there's people that kind of need to live it. I need to go places and actually spend time there. And I've got a place in my mind and it's all hit me at once. And it's sort of conceptual and... I think as a writer, you have this sense sometimes, it's almost like, it's it's not unlike a drink on the rocks. Sometimes I like to have a vodka on the rocks with a squeeze of lime, right? Take a half a lime, cut it in half, squeeze as much as you can into it and just let it sit. You know, have, have a drink like, you know, 10, 15 minutes later when it's all kind of congealed. Sometimes ideas are sort of like a fruit like how much can you squeeze from it and you just have a sense about these things like how much you can get out of this idea and I have a feeling that I might have come across something that's going to bear a lot um, a lot of output and how I envision it is sort of like um, like an orb or a sphere right like and I'm looking at it, and when I look at it, something conceptually, I kind of want to be able to walk around it in 360 degrees um, and, and look underneath it, on top of it, from afar, up close to it. And if I can visualize a topic like that, say, like the song Juarez, um, I'd seen some, some, some documentary or some news coverage about... Um, the daughters of Juarez and the things that were happening in and around that city. And somehow I 
synthesize that with my own life experiences, my own family history, and came out with this narrative, right? But it was only because I could see it, I could see its texture up close and from afar, um, and I could use my words to paint with this topic. So if you think about it like something in front of you, I'm not sure if this is helping any creatives out there or if they are relating to it, but if you can kind of visualize it in a in a 360 degrees uh, perspective and capacity, then you can kind of master what you're visualizing and reinforce it, and then you begin just explaining it. And that is a, I don't know if that's a method, it's one of my methods, and if you could kind of make, um, a, it wouldn't be a virtual reality, if you could make an imagined reality about a story person, place, or thing, feeling, adjectives, right? Um, if you can explain it, you have to see it. And if you see it, you can materialize it. And that is what will endlessly keep me um, a creative because think about this. Now you want to get really out there? At one point in time, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were probably sitting there having a, having a pint or maybe even a joint and they were saying, you know what, if we so decide, we are literally driving in the cockpit of, of modern culture and popular culture as we know it. If we want to go to India and, and go down some kind of rabbit hole that way, we can take the, the youth that way with us. If we want to speak out against the government, we can help culture think those thoughts. Um, if we want to you know, play Lucy in the Sky with diamonds and speak in code uh, using Lucy Sky Diamonds, LSD. We can start talking about that kind of consciousness. These guys were literally steering culture. But what's very interesting to me is that it started in the imagination. They started the imagination. Then they apply that through their skill set, through their hands and through instruments. And with modern technology, we can take the instruments and we can make a recorded version of a song and we can apply our imagination into the song that goes out speakers into people's ears. So isn't that interesting that sound and audio is just an extension of a thought and a thought comes from synapses in the mind and that is just like a, and, and, that, and that comes from a place of inspiration and imagination. So thought Imagination, inspiration, craft, skill, audio, song. It's just amazing. I also kind of think it's fascinating that songs don't really, they're not physical. They, they exist, you know, in the, in the atmosphere, the atoms, right? Just poof. It's just a sound wave. But then it comes you trace it all the way back and it really just comes from a thought. That's endless. That's like far out. <laughs> I sound like fucking Stephen Hawking of uh, indie rock over here. Um, but I do think that's fascinating. So I went kind of on a tangent there, but if you really rewind all the way back to the initial thought, um, I think I found a concept that is going to, um, I'm going to be able to harvest a lot from. So I'm really excited about it. Okay. This has been one of the most... Um, far out, kind of weirder podcasts, uh, esoteric, uh, creative podcasts I've done. Um, but like I said, I'm in New York City. I, um, 
want to thank everybody for making the shows a complete success. I want to thank Dave. Um, I want to thank everybody that's making this community possible. And I uh, just want to say, check out this fucking documentary. It's super weird. And it's like hitting close to home. So other than that, I'm doing a bit of cooking. I'm walking around, still freezing my plums off over here in New York. It's not quite warm yet, but I think we're just a couple weeks away. Um, thank you guys for all your emails. There's been a lot of well-wishing and a lot of uh, really warm... I mean, you have no idea, like, the people that I meet and the stories that they tell me at these shows. So thank you for being a part of the conversation and the exchange. And without you guys, I couldn't even do this. So um, big love and love and respect. Uh, through the pipeline, there's also some fantastic news about to drop about Rise, uh, the story of Augustine's the film. So keep an ear on that. I know it's been a long go, and I know that you haven't been updated, but there's some news coming, and I'm really excited about it. We're all really excited about it. And other than that, um, I guess I will leave it there. Enjoy yourselves, guys. I hope you enjoyed. I really enjoyed that last playlist I made, and I got more work coming for you. So it's Monday. Enjoy yourselves. And rock that shit with all your heart. Be brave. Be bold. You'll hear from me very soon. You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from New York.